This is January 30th. Still, still January 30th. And we're still going through the Ten Commandments. We're almost through. And, uh, you know, we should pray for Jay Trendle. You know Jay who, he's, uh, he's in the hospital. Jim Carshall just saw him yesterday. Uh, jo Joe Moore saw him yesterday. We were in touch. Uh, I saw him a couple of days ago, and he looked brighter and more alert and happier than the last couple of weeks, but seems to have uh, taken a turn where he's uh, unresponsive. And Jim, uh, I appreciate you calling me. Father, Lord, we're asking you to touch our brother Jay, and we, we're his family. Let him feel your presence. Give him a touch, Lord. Make him comfortable. And let him know that he's loved. In Jesus' name, amen. And we should also pray, Lord, speak to our hearts today. Let us take your commandments seriously. Well, we're almost running out of commandments. We're, we're going to start with this one that we've already mentioned a little bit, the not having any other gods. And as I've asked you every week, and this is a purely an arbitrary choice by me, I, I like to pair it up with another one. Uh, anyone want to take a crack? Maybe which one this would go with? No other gods. Now we're running out. You know, we don't have too many. I, I have little red X's by the ones that we've already handled. So... <laughs> <laughs> Next week, <it's laughs> there'll be no <laughs> tension at all. You'll you can't pick one of the red X's? Well, you can. <laughs> but. No graven in <laughs> Yep, we already did. You see, that would be a good one to go with that, but we already did that. That's a good one, too. That'll be next week. We're going to do this one, the Sabbath, because. Yes. Well, actually, this is not underlined. This, this, you know, I, I should repeat this. I, there's your life right there. Your life is a dot. What we're getting ready for is what happens after the dot. And I said, this line, if you could imagine it going over the parking lot, over 281, and just keep on going until it goes around the whole world and comes back, we cannot wrap our heads around eternity. You can try, but our little rubber band just gets twisted a little bit too tight and we just get to the end and say, I can't handle it because we're not wired. We cannot comprehend eternity. So the things that we do now in this life, especially keeping God's commandments, prepare us for what's next. And that's really all that matters. I think it was Augustine who said, uh, if it wasn't Augustine, it was someone, a heavyweight, who said the chief purpose of this life is to get ready for the next life. And most people that you and I know are not interested in the next life. They're interested in what's happening now. Matter of fact, I, I remember uh, Richard Gere, who is a, uh, he's a big famous actor, and I think that he is a, uh, some kind of Buddhist, I think maybe Zen Buddhist. What's that? He has. Well, good for him. He, uh, uh, Ron says that uh, uh, Richard Gere came back to Christ. Really? 
Well, good for him. Well, then he probably wouldn't agree with this uh, quote of, of what he said not too long ago uh, when he, he was being questioned about, you know, uh, the afterlife. And he said, uh, you know, I, I, I don't care nearly as much as what happens later as what happens now. And I don't know, I'll, I'll have to talk to Sishan about uh, the beliefs of Buddhism. And, uh, you know, but many people are very now-centered and they're not thinking about what's going to happen later when we, people of the book, we can't think of anything else but what's going to happen later. I mean, it's, it's certainly the most important thing. So, uh, here's what we do while we're here. Have no other gods except for the one true God. Uh, when we started this five weeks ago, whenever it was, I, I mentioned to you that uh, these commandments are all given in the second person singular. You, we can read these in a generic kind of distant way, you know, that God is talking to these children of Israel long ago and far away, and not really personally internalize them as we ought to. And uh, thanks to the commentators and the Hebrew scholars and the people that kept studying their Hebrew grammar, they remind us, second person singular, that's you. You can take this personal. I don't want to offend anybody. And I always remember, I'm pointing at you, Jim, but I got three fingers pointing back at me. And uh, especially those of us that proclaim and, and preach and teach these things, uh, we, we should take it serious. And the reason why God could make such an exclusive claim on us, thou shalt have no other gods but me. First of all, there's a whole lot of other gods out there that people pick from. It's almost as if there's a smorgasbord. Of, of divinity and deities out there. They're not real divinities, uh, divinities, they're false, they're fakes. You know, like we have fake news? Well, we have fake divinities. Also, fake gods with little g's that are out there. But pay attention to, the, you know what, we ought to just read it. We should read this first commandment as it is in Exodus chapter 20, where he says, Lord, let us hear your word and take it serious. And God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, thou shalt have no other gods before me. So rather than him reminding them, I'm the creator of the universe, I made everything you could see out of things which you can't see, <laughs> can't understand that either, I love that ex nihilo phrase that we hear mentioned a lot, that God made something out of nothing, awesome, incredible, worthy to be praised. How can we come to church and not be smitten by God's awesomeness? Every time we read the word, every time we're confronted with this word, we should, we should walk out of this place almost staggering with, with awe. You know, Spurgeon said one time, uh, he's known for a lot of uh, pithy one-liners. He said, you know, if these people, you, he, the thousands that he preached to, every, he said, if you leave this church and you say, Boy, that was a great sermon. Boy, that guy can sure use an illustration. He said, I failed. I failed miserably. He said, I want you to leave this church and say, oh, what a savior. That's, that's the way we ought to leave church. Rejoicing, oh, what a savior. Oh. I'll tell you what, I, I just come out of the traditional service and I, I feel like that several times throughout the service. The choruses we sing, I love that Gloria Patri. Oh man, I, I like it. <laughs> it gets me. And it's good to be got. I know that there's people that are more excited about the football playoff game that's going to happen today. 
You know, that's a worship service too. <laughs> Those are gods that people are choosing to worship. I saw something on the news this morning, oh, Tom Brady may retire. I mean, it's almost as if, oh, the high priest of football worship, what are we going to do? <laughs> All right. It's... Yeah, right, sure. <laughs> There's another hero coming right up behind him, and that's the way it goes. But for those of us here and people of the book, by the way, we're in a minority. You know, people that are here in a, in a Bible-centered church like ours, uh, we're in a minority, in, in a very small segment of the society. There's more people that are tailgating someplace and uh, just getting ready for another worship service. And here we are, hopefully opening our hearts to the Lord, saying, Lord, I want to I be on board. I want to be obedient to this first commandment that I will not have any other gods before you. The, the Hebrew idiom literally says, no other gods before my face. And uh, he tells us he's a jealous God. And the jealousy of God is not like we equate jealousy, the petty, you know, hurt feelings, ooh, you know. It's, uh, God, God can be whatever he wants to be. And when he describes himself as jealous, he deserves our honor and allegiance. He brought us out of uh, bondage. You know, everything in the Old Testament is a, a type and a shadow of our New Testament experience in Christ. Just like the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt. We had our Egypt that we were brought out of when we were regenerated. Had that happened because I was so sharp and smart enough? No, because God chose me. And that's uh, enough to stagger you right there. Why would he choose you? <laughs> I, I think about why he would choose me, and I, I'm smitten, thankful, very thankful. So one of the problems that we uh, see in our world today is that we easily divide our devotion with other gods. Polytheism is what it's called. Now, you may say, well, I come to this Presbyterian church and we worship the one true God. But uh, let us allow the Lord by his Holy Spirit to search our hearts and see if we have some other things that we like, some other affections, some other things that we really... When you allow your mind to kick into neutral, maybe as you're drifting off to sleep, what are the things that you think about? You got to country house somewhere. And, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with these things. It's, it's, it's when these other things have us more than we have them. There's a uh, relatively wealthy businessman in my small hometown where I ministered for many years. And uh, I noticed that this guy worked all the time. He's, he's in his mid-90s now. And I'd always see it. His pickup truck was always there. He owned uh, one business, and he owned most of Main Street, actually, that he accumulated through his uh, conquering of the small town of Lytle. And uh, I, I, I'm friends with this guy. I, he, he came to my church one time when I was baptizing someone that he grew up with. And uh, that's the only time he ever came. But uh, I said, Bob, I notice uh, you, you're, you're, I, I, I see your truck there at your office, uh, even on Sunday. And he said this very honest thing that a lot of times people will not be as honest and candid to say. He said, I don't have that business. That business has me. And he was, he was very honest about that. Most people, won't, they, they don't want to admit it. You know, they may know it somewhere in the back of their head, but they don't want to admit it. And it's this subtle 
pushing aside of our worship and devotion of the one true God, that he deserves our devotion and allegiance, and we allow other stuff to push him out of the way while we're occupying our dot, <laughs> our dash. <laughs> Your life could either be called a dot or a dash. I used to call it a dash, but really a dash is too long. <laughs> it, it's more like a dot, <laughs> one little speck. And compared to eternity, we can't even compare it. I thought about trying, you know, just for the, uh, uh, the of putting little dividing lines in here and say, every one of these lines is a thousand years. It keeps on going. Would that blow your mind? How about if I said, every one of these lines is a million years? Would that blow your mind? Ten million years? I mean, just go ahead and just keep on going until your little rubber band snaps. And that's it. You just, we just can't handle it anymore. We can't handle eternity. And yet, the Lord has put eternity in our hearts. I knew a, a real, genuine missionary evangelist who ministered for probably 60 years before he went home to be with the Lord. And this man was privileged to travel all over the world into uh, primitive cultures. Matter of fact, during the Vietnam War, the Lord opened up doors for this man to minister in Vietnam. I mean, the U.S. Army would fly him around in their own helicopters. And, and, and he would minister in all these places. And he was a, a very bombastic, he was a World War II veteran himself. And an interesting guy, interesting background. But the Lord opened up doors. And I remember what he said one time about going into these primitive cultures, places like, I don't know, somewhere in the jungle of South America or, or uh, uh, what's what the, that, that place, uh, Borneo, or, you know, some of these far-flung places where, I mean, you know, these really primitive people. And he says, I've never been anywhere where when I got there, the people weren't already worshiping something. They didn't know what, you see, it's, it's in us. It's an innate inner thing inside of us put there by our creator to worship him. And if we don't know about him, I mean, we're going to worship sticks, stones, trees, mountains, clouds, rain, fire. A lot of things will take the place. And uh, for those of us that are fortunate enough to hear these words, to, to read the scriptures, and to be exposed to the one true God, and, and take them serious. It's a, it's a precious, glorious thing. We mentioned before that all of these uh, Ten Commandments, except for the one on the Sabbath day, has a New Testament corresponding verse, and this one is certainly no different than that. Acts chapter 14, verse 15, taken one of the uh, early church councils as the apostles were hammering out the things that we would come to have as our modern faith, that you should turn, this, I'm, I'm just picking up in the middle of this verse, Acts chapter 14, verse 15, that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. That's what we do. And this is really what missionaries do. These people that are going to China. You know, China, we hear, is a, uh, a fertile mission field. That there's a strong church already over there. They're underground. You know, they're, they're flying below the radar you know, because it's an oppressive, horrible, communist, godless government. But that doesn't stop the wind of the Holy Ghost from blowing behind that iron curtain. Oh, I'm sure it gives them communist leaders fits of rage. They can't stop it. But, well, let them deal with it. That's their problem. 
we rejoice that our God is in total control. So, we want to consider, uh, there's a lot of Old Testament examples where Israel strayed and uh, suffered the consequences. What is it about us that we're, we're uh, we know who the one true God is, but we allow these other things to kind of come in and subtly, seductively push them out of the way. And the next thing you know, uh, rather than getting excited about coming to church, we maybe look more forward to uh, something else that's going on on the Lord's Day. And that's why I'm combining this with the Sabbath. We may bleed back and forth, even though I got some remarks on here that I'm almost through with, and then we'll get to the ones on the Sabbath. Because really, the Sabbath is when we come and worship the one true God. And it's a, it's a great thing. It's a great benefit for us to have. And it reminds us that, hey, this is the time. We forget about everything else. Even though it's a day off for us, for most of us that have a day off, we're here to concentrate on He who brought us out and set our feet on the rock to stay. And, uh, you know, you think about that enough, you might have yourself your own little glory spell and just uh, rejoice and have a good time. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's people that are going to be rejoicing on a football field today. And they'll, ah, they'll scream like crazy. And uh, we come to church and we can't say anything. Sometimes I have a hard time just keeping my voice shut. I mean, I, 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 I hear the preaching and I want to say amen. I want to shout hallelujah, but I, I don't want to draw attention to me, but it's in there. <laughs> One of these days it might come out. So, <laughs> And you know, if it comes out of you, that's okay too. Boy, we're going to have a worship service sometime and it's all going to come out. So all throughout Israel's history, we notice that, especially in the book of Judges, there's this phrase that's repeated in the book of Judges. And this is very common about what happens with people today. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. And uh, you, you realize that everybody is some type of theologian. Uh, they don't like to admit this, but if you really press them to it, they have some opinions about God. It may not be the one true God, but they have opinions about a God of their own fashioning. It's uh, an, an ignorant theological basis that really they make up on the fly for the most part. And you know the thing about ignorant theology that people make up, it is amazingly beneficial towards our position after we're finished with it. We usually come out looking pretty good. And you know, self-justification, it's part of that thing that's inside of us. We can easily do it. Well, oh, I believe God does this. And uh, you know, it starts to come, well, how's it going to deal with me? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not that bad. And usually we'll find some sorry specimen that we know, <laughs> at least I'm not like them. And uh, you know, we're, we're always, I mean, you know, if, if, if that's our theological paradigm, I mean, Adolf Hitler is, is, is the ultimate example. I mean, because you know, everyone will always say, well, at least I'm not him. So, you know, but that's not the way it goes. We compare ourselves to Jesus and then, well, we all come up short and needy. And that's not a bad place to be because he's given himself to us and it's a great thing. But in the meantime, we can easily make up things of our own manufacture. And uh, I've heard people make up stuff right off the top of their head. You know, because I, I mean, it's, it's been my life for 40 years. I, I talk to people and I've come to realize now and I guess that's why I'm more reformed than anything else. Boy, I tried to convince people for a lot of years, and I never could convince anybody of anything. But I realized it had to be, and it always was, an inside job. And now, rather than me showing up and saying, all right, here, I'm, I'm going to give you these four spiritual laws. I'm going to make you understand them. What I'm looking for 
is who is the Lord dealing with? Who is the Lord preparing their heart somehow? And if he's not, well, I'm done. <laughs> Get back to me if you, ever, if you ever feel like the Lord's dealing with you. But until then, I can't put it in there. I mean, Jesus said, nobody can come to me unless the Father draw him. So I'm looking for those people that the Lord is drawing. And when he draws them, he'll be drawing them to the one true God. And it will be our profession and confession of faith together that we'll say, yep, I want to worship this one true God, no one else, and uh, I got the door. I've had Catholic friends that uh, bragged about them having the keys. I said, man, you can keep the keys. I got the door. <laughs> Hang on to your keys. <laughs> I know the door. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't it great? We know the door. So rather than doing everything that's right in our own eyes, we want to say, Lord, help us to do what you want us to do. You know, there's one, the most common false god is the only one that Jesus mentioned by name. And we, boy, this, this would take a short series of Sunday school services just to handle all the ways that mammon pushes the one true God out of the way. And Jesus mentioned that false god by name. He said, you can't worship God and mammon. Uh, you know, last week we were dealing with the commandment about stealing and uh, I just want to make one little follow-up thing that I didn't have time to cover. And it still has to do with our worship of the one true God. You know, everything we have, the Lord gave us, right? You know, however many material blessings that you are managing and a steward of right now, you couldn't have got it unless the Lord somehow graciously gave it to you, right? I mean, there are megalomaniacs that'll say, I'm a self-made man, I did this. Come on, man, you can't keep your own heart beating overnight. What do you do when you go to sleep? Who's in control? It's the grace of God who allows you to live and breathe another second. The God over your next heartbeat. But people don't like to think like that. We like to think I'm, I'm in control. But everything we have is owned by God and we are his stewards. And uh, we mentioned the one verse. Uh, Will a man rob God? Malachi 3 and 8 in that general area. And it has to do with our returning a very small slice of the pie, one-tenth. If you look at your typical pizza, it's cut into eight pieces. You take one slice out of a pizza pie, that doesn't look like much. If it were cut into ten pieces, it would even be a smaller piece. And this is what God says to us, I want you to be faithful with that small piece. You know, for years I would preach this and I, I could see people looking back at me saying, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> That's because you're getting paid and you have to have money. See, I'm not on the payroll now, so I can let you have it. <laughs> I have no vested interest in this, all right? <laughs> Nobody's paying me to say this. But I'm telling you that if you'll be faithful to God, you can't beat God giving. And here's one illustration that I think you should remember. It helped me when I first heard this. All of us, well, for those of us that are retired now, it'll be in the past tense, but we all had jobs and we would put in 40 hours or more in that job, and in the return for that time, which is really a bulk of our life, we're given a paycheck. So that paycheck, in a real way, represents a very significant part of our life. You know, eight, 10 hours a day, whatever it is. And if we can't be faithful with that one-tenth, which is a very small slice, it's as if we're being unfaithful with a large portion of our life. If that bothers you, thank God that it bothers you and uh, deal with it. Let the Lord 
massage your heart and soul. And, uh, well, we're not going to talk about that anymore. It's just, you know, because we're talking about serving one true God and the Sabbath. And, you know, we, they pass the offering plate on Sundays. And, you know, for this uh, request that just came up about this missionary, I can tell you right now, I can guarantee you that all the funds that these missionaries, this is Rob Shelton's daughter, you said, and her husband, all the funds that they need are easily represented in this class, just with you that are here right now. Not that we've taken up an offering and it's here. The money's in your bank account, but <laughs> it's all here. Everything that they need is easily supplied if we'll be faithful and do whatever the Lord stirs you and moves you to do. So, you ever get uncomfortable when people start talking about money? <laughs> I'm not talking about one of these lame prosperity bozos that's on TV just being faithful to God in the most basic rudimentary elements and ways is, is very, very good. So the real beast in our heart is, uh, well, mammon uses the one, but the real beast is S-E-L-F. We're the ones who push the one true God out of the way because we want what we want, and we're all like that. And uh, the devil uses the same thing that he's used ever since the beginning. He doesn't have to change his techniques. <laughs> the lust of the flesh, the lust of the... Uh, uh, lust of the flesh. How can I forget that? <laughs> the lust of the flesh and the lust of life and the pride of life. The three, the, the evil triad, which all sin pretty much comes from those three roots. The Lord tells us, don't go there. Worship me instead. No other gods but me. You know, this even appeared in the, in the gospel uh, as it's explained in Romans I should have this scripture reference, but I don't have exactly where this was. Ah, but you'll know it's in there. You know I'm not making this up. That it was expedient that one should die for the good of the people. I said that's in Romans. I think that's in the Gospels too, isn't it? It's expedient that one should die for the people. I should know this. I shouldn't be asking you. What's that? Was that Ananias or Caiaphas? Yeah, right. I, 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 I seem to remember that. You know, he was, you know that's, that's one of the great true statements spoken by anybody. He didn't know how true what he was saying was, that it's expedient that one should die for the people. Now, what that has to do with the, the one true God? Well, that's the way that the Lord chose, and that's why we're studying this. So, keep this commandment. If we would, and not that we have to do this every day when we go, oh, Lord, I don't want to put any gods, although it couldn't hurt for us to say, Lord, this day, first rattle out of the sack. I want to honor you and you alone. That's not bad. You say, man, that's kind of fanatical. Well, man, can't we get a little bit fanatical about worshiping the Lord? Wouldn't that be okay? I mean, people let their freak flag fly for every other stupid, ridiculous reason. Why can't we just honor the Lord and just be all in? Lord, I don't want to put any gods before you. Help me, Lord, to see it coming. Because it will be coming. There'll be some subtle influence that's going to creep up on you some way. Now, as we remember the Sabbath, every seven days, we get a chance to reboot. Come to church and get our heads straight. It is a good church to come and get your head straight. But the other six days of the week, there's nothing like the atmosphere that we have here. You know, unless you go to a prayer meeting or some parachurch thing where people are getting into the Word of God, there's little to no influence. Everything is the exact opposite. That's why we have to come and present ourselves 
Say, Lord, I'm here to get my head straight, to get my thinking straight. Uh, now, I've been quoting to you some little uh, vignettes, little lines out of the, uh, the book. I didn't even bring it with me this Sunday. The, the book that's written by C.S. Lewis's wife. It's a loose kind of contemporary commentary. It's a, a very unique take on these Ten Commandments. And I was reading over her comments on the Sabbath, and uh, I didn't want to read the whole thing. That's why I didn't bring it. It's about two pages in her book. But she starts off her uh, commentary on the Sabbath of a hypothetical kind of an allegory of a Martian who was flying over our uh, planet and examining we little people. The, the Martian was working on his PhD dissertation, apparently in University of Mars, and uh, he was sent to do a, uh, uh, an, anthropological, an anthropological comparison of the uh, citizens of Mars and the citizens of planet Earth. And it was really interesting, you know, the way she said, you know, these, he noticed that these people, uh, one day a week, they seem to come out and they're, you know, they're dressed in these very casual clothes and, and they, they find these large places to congregate. Usually it's by a seaside and they anoint themselves with holy oils and they lay there in the sand with their eyes closed and they worship the sun. You know, and, you know, just a lot, a little bit. He said, I noticed that a lot of people that their worship takes the form of some type of ball, usually with a stick that goes along with it. And uh, <laughs> the way they explain, you know, what could be baseball, basketball, golf. He says, yeah, these people, they have these long, long skinny sticks and these little white balls and they hit them and chase them as they walk all over this green grass. And, you know, the Martian's explaining what he sees going on on Sundays. And he says, there is this other segment that I also behold. And, you know, the, these people, they seem to be a little bit more formally dressed. And they go into these closed buildings. Usually they have stained glass, I guess, so the light can't get in. And we don't really know what goes on inside there. <laughs> so, you know, just an interesting allegory of, of how someone from another planet. But overwhelmingly, what they see is secular self-serving worship. And it really is worship, you know, if you look at the way people uh, occupy their Sundays. Oh, it's supposed to be different, right? The way we occupy our Sundays, you're here, you're, you're in a worship service. I love uh, when, uh, whether it's Mitchell or Bob, or especially when Ligon Duncan was here, and that guy's got a voice for preaching. And uh, he read the scriptures and he says, this is the word of the Lord, hear it! Man, I can still hear that echoing right now. And that's good advice. Every time the man of God or the woman of God is reading scriptures and they say something like that, we should take it serious. And of course, we should take it serious whenever we're reading these big ten. Well, there's a lot of things that go on on Sunday that easily replaces our worship to the Lord. You ever notice that? When do they play the Super Bowl? Isn't it coming up? It's not Super Bowl Saturday. <laughs> it's Super Bowl Sunday. And it is a worship service if they're ever, I mean, it's an all-day affair. I mean, it's, it's really, and, uh, I, you know, I, I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the graven image. You watch, if you happen to see the game, <laughs> when whoever wins that trophy, they'll walk down the aisle and all the football players, it's, it, it looks as if they're almost bowing. They'll reach out, they'll touch that trophy, they'll kiss it. I mean, it's really over the top. <laughs> I mean, I'm not just being a preacher here and just, I mean, these, they're into it, man. They've given their life all, their whole season goes just to be in the Super Bowl and then ultimately to win it. Oh, and it's, I don't even remember who won last year, you know, but they, they come and go and, 
Yeah, okay. And, and uh, you know, the, the quarterback that was a hero last year, he might be a bum this year. You know, the same thing goes for our baseball heroes and basketball and, and every other sports hero. But so many of these things happen on time. And what we notice, what I notice, and I think you do too, people don't even consider putting the Lord first when it comes to some major sporting event, like whether it's a... Uh, and it could be anything. It could be the Super Bowl, it could be the World Series, NBA Finals, some golf tournament, tennis, whatever. Olympics are coming up. Sunday, pfft, it doesn't matter. What we want is our sports heroes. That's who we're really putting for. How about a car show? Did you ever go to a car show? I mentioned this before, too. They're on Sunday. They don't care. You want to be there? I mean, you do look at these cars, and they really are graven images. It's, you know, the, the way they're decked out. I'm not talking about new car shows, although that could qualify too. You know, but these classic car shows. How about dog shows? People worship dogs. They do it on Sunday. They primp them. They do their hair. <laughs> I know I should probably spend a little bit more time on, on, on what I have, but, uh, man, if I was primped up the way these dogs are, I'd... <laughs> My hair would be shining, man. <laughs> For a dog. You leave them alone long enough. You know what dogs are going to do. They just want to go sniff another dog. And it's, they're still dogs. I remember I was in seminary with one of the godliest men that I ever knew. He was from Burkina Faso. And I remember we, we did our Hebrew together. And I think the reason why I was able to pass Hebrew is because I was sitting in the class with this guy, and we did it over, six, over 10 weeks over summer school. Don't ever do that. It was horrible. It was the only time aside from boot camp when I thought I was going to die. I really thought Hebrew was going to kill me. And, and, I, and I looked at this poor guy from Burkina Faso, and English was his fourth language. And I looked at him, and he had this look on his face like, he, he was really paralyzed. But I, anyway, I'm just... Tell you what a, what a precious godly man he was, a precious godly, sweet spiritual man. And uh, we brought him down to our house over Christmas and New Year's one year. And, you know, we have a couple of dogs and a couple of cats and our kids, you know, they love our animals just like everyone else. And I remember what this guy said. Uh, by the way, let me tell you his name. His name was Puska Zango Etienne. Puska was the name of the tree his family used to worship in Africa. You know, that'd be like uh, Mesquite Carso Jim, okay? <laughs> you know, and Zongo was his family name, and Etienne is French for Stephen. That was the name that he took upon himself upon his Christian conversion. So Etienne Zongo, or Puska Zongo Etienne. And I remember he spoke with broken English, and uh, he was looking at how our kids adored our little pets. And I, my wife and I could still hear him say in these words, they are just dogs. And we can still hear him say that. They are just dogs. You know, in other countries, dogs really are just dogs. But here, we make such a big deal out of him. And I mean, we have dog shows. and other. It's, it's a little bit much, don't you think? So all of these things that people do to substitute their worship and allegiance. The Indy 500, when do they do it? The Daytona 500, when do they do it? It's a Sunday. It's a worship event. Even when they change the clocks. They don't care if you're late for work, or, or they do care if you're late for work. They don't care if you're late for church. You know, go ahead. Yeah, let's mess with the clocks on Sunday morning. We don't care if they're late for church, <laughs> just as long as you don't affect the real worship that goes on Monday. I want to be at work on time. <laughs> I can miss whatever is going to happen on Sunday. But that just goes to show 
how they just really don't care about what happens on Sunday. And then we're reminded again, Jesus said, only one rival God he mentions by name, Mammon. This God will eventually fail us. And, and you know, we might be the generation that's going to see it. And I know it's a horrifying thought. I was talking to a, a man who is a, a man of means and uh, a man who's very plugged into the financial world and he's got his hand on the pulse of what's going on. And I asked him about our, about our national debt, which now is pushing $30 trillion. We can't even wrap our head around that. But I asked this guy, I said, what do you think of this? And, and he said, it's, it's scary. He said, it's very frightening. He said, sooner or later, it's going to come due. And uh, I said, well, what's going to happen? He said, well, you know, China's going to come. He said, pay up. And uh, I don't know if, if they start repossessing real estate, I sure hope they start with California <laughs> before they get here. You know? <laughs> they probably own most of it now, but you know, <laughs> they're going to start calling, they're going to start chopping off chunks of our country and taking it. But uh, this is something that it's as if we're blindly, insanely just rushing into this debt, and it's like nobody cares. And every politician says, yeah, we're going to do something about it. Okay, so why are you mentioning that? that? We know one of these days our money and our finances are going to fail, and it's, it's, it's going to happen. This is why it's so important for us to be worshiping God, no other God, honoring Him on the Sabbath, making sure that our days of work. And you know, really, the, the Sabbath is a day given for us to have a day off. I mean, we're coming to church is just icing on the cake. You know, we're here to worship. But relax, take it easy. The Lord, although he didn't need the rest, I guess you could say, but he rested at the end of, of his days of creation. And he says, here, there's a model for you. Take one day out of seven. You know, I remember hearing, and I'm not sure if it was Voltaire or one of these atheistic blowhards during the French Revolution, that they were just going against what the Bible taught, and they said, we don't care about Sunday, we're going to work seven days a week, and we're going to keep on going. And uh, I should have this documented more, more precisely, but uh, the people started to break down. You know, you can't work people seven days a week. Their machinery even though it was 17th, 18th century, whenever it was, their machinery, just being used all the time, started to break down. And it just goes to show, you know, folks, we don't break the laws of God. The laws of God break us. And that's just the way it always is. So I can tell you one thing, uh, if we could just talk about money one more time, seeing how we're in church, and this is a Sabbath day, and, and uh, you're going to probably be in a service, and they're going to pass the plate. I can tell you one thing for sure that's going to happen with all of your material wealth. One of two things is absolutely guaranteed going to happen. Either you're going to leave it or it's going to leave you. <laughs> Actually, your treasure might be being hacked into right now <laughs> and you don't even know it. There's some computer hacker in Nigeria or Uganda somewhere that's hacking into your computer account right now. And maybe they're chipping away at your 401k or your 403b or whatever those other letters are. That uh, letters and numbers that uh, we stack up all this and we say, oh, I've taken up much wealth. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah, until you're hacked into. So we don't know. We're we're living among thieves, and there's creative thievery. You think people care about that commandment? Thou shalt not steal. It just goes to show. Every one of these commandments is that everything is open season. Nobody cares for the most part. People don't care. They'll break any or all of these commandments all the time. Only people like us that have a sense and a fear of the Lord have any 
compunction to keep these commandments, and we ought to take them serious. Can you say amen to that? So this is what's going to happen. All of our material stuff, either we're going to leave it, or they're going to leave us. Theft, fraud. You know, Jesus said, lay up your treasures in heaven where thieves won't get them, moths won't eat them, and rust won't corrupt. Now, that's 2,000 years ago he said that, and we still have thieves and moths and rust. <laughs> timeless, the timeless words of our Savior. And, and he wants us to be rich. <laughs> you want to hear a real prosperity message? Here it is. God wants you to be rich, but he wants riches that are going to last, not just for the dot, but for the line. And now is when we invest in these things. There's no better investment you can make than, for instance, this uh, China endeavor or any other missionary endeavors and outreaches that we have in our church. We're investing in eternal things. And, you know, real financial investors will say, well, you know, don't think about just the next couple of years. You need to think about how your investments are going to pay off in 30 years. Well, as far as the gospel is concerned, we can think about how our investments are going to pay off in 30 million years. Let that blow your mind. Our time is up. Heavenly Father, Lord, would you help us again to take your word seriously and to not take lightly these commandments. Lord, all these things are for our good, and you want the best for us, Lord. And I pray, Father, that we would take your word seriously, treasure your word, to covet and earnestly desire the conviction and moving of your Holy Spirit on our hearts, we pray. And we ask you this, Lord, that we might glorify you by everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah, that is really going to be something. Yes, yes, there's one more week of this you've got to put up with. And then this is going to be really good. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to what he's going to do.